Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Open Conversations. This is episode 19. On today's show, I welcome my guest, Elitete. So if you've ever been in Ghana and you've heard of this podcast called Decaf Live, well, Ellie is one of the persons behind that podcast. So on the show, we talked about the very beginnings of Decaf Live and how it actually became a live podcast show. So yeah, we talked about that. We also talked about um, the whole music industry in general, especially in Ghana. We talked about why our artists aren't blowing up as faster or making you know more money as they should because they're really good. We talked about the whole creative industry as well and um, the support that they need and also again how come they're not being as big as they should because we have a lot of really good creatives in ghana so yeah uh, this was a really good podcast uh, if you're really a music fan and you want to hear about conversations with uh, music and everything else uh, i really recommend re- re- um, listening to this episode so yeah so just sit back relax and enjoy fantastic hi right, so how are you awesome. doing not too bad man yourself uh, just busy with work and trying to survive. That's it. Sounds familiar. Yes, just the, the daily um, adventures that I have, just trying to work and keep safe at the same time. I think that's true for many of us right now. Yep, definitely. It's a whole new kind of um, paradigm shift. So we're just trying to do the best we can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how are things looking on your side of town? Uh, not too bad. Um, I, I was mentioning to you that I had a, a few deadlines that I had to kind of sort out um, today. We're getting close to starting a new semester, and so things are cranking back up again at a school. Okay, nice. So, yeah, so, yeah that sounds like a handful, like trying to especially with this whole new experience, right? It's kind of, it's going to be a bit different. Very much so. Um, I think we are, everyone wants to pretend like they have an idea of how it's going to go. And, you know, we've got plans and, and, and strategies and checklists and what have you. But I think the actual experience is going to test all of that and we're going to see how it actually pans out. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't, you can plan everything, but there's going to be circumstances where maybe you didn't see coming and you might have to kind of replan everything again. Very much so. So I think we're just going to take it as it comes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, that should be a whole new experience to, to witness them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. But well, at least, at least you're keeping safe and also t- keeping busy as well since your semester is coming up. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming on, by the way. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to touch and just have a conversation about uh, with you on some certain topics that I think would be interesting for people to listen up to, and uh, yeah, just some music discussions about everything in Ghana as well. Uh, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Sounds good. I am more than happy to oblige. I, I, I feel like I'm a bit more of a out-of-touch OG these days, but uh, <laughs> I, I will see <laughs> what I can contribute. 
No worries, man. Yeah, I mean, just like, first of all, I just want to touch on like what you, I think even before the pandemic struck and everything, like what you guys were doing with Decaf Live, like the whole podcast and the like the live listing sessions and the discussions. I want to find out like what's the background on that? Like why do a podcast discussing music and also even shift to like the whole live audience thing? Sure. So I would say how that came about was, first of all, I am just about a lifelong music nerd. Um, I have been probably since, since I was listening to radio and trying to record songs on a literal tape deck mm-hmm. um, because there was no other way to get them. Um, and so you push the tape deck up to a speaker and then you have this really trash quality recording that you couldn't do much with. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the way um, I came up. Um, and then I had friends who were also pretty geeky. And so by the time I arrived in the U.S. and got to have broadband internet and my own laptop, um, I was basically prepared to uh, essentially traverse um, as much of the accessible um, music library of the world, I guess, as possible. And so um, I, I came back to Ghana, I think, you know, just being very obsessed with hip hop and underground hip hop, but also um, loving rock and blues and funk and Um, R&B and all sorts of stuff. And so um, I remember years back um, getting in touch with Miss Na and her saying, you really should meet my friend, Kobe Graham. Mm -hmm. And he's a DJ and he loves music like we do. And I think you guys really hit it off. And it was years before we would actually, you know, meet, get together and start linking up. And that actually happened mainly because of Dust, the magazine. Okay. Um, and so when we started collaborating on Dust, the magazine, he was here in Ghana. And I think I had gone back to the U.S. for a master's. Um, and then when I returned, um, he was working at a chassis. And within about a year, year and a half of me returning, I joined him at a chassis. And so sometimes we would ride up together. Um, it's a long, long drive up to Brickwissu. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about music. We would talk about, you know, what we were listening to, um, what we loved in, you know, uh, our histories. And, um, and at some point it was like, you know, why don't we start putting each other up on stuff? And so let's exchange music. And even now in this digital era, it, it feels like grandfather technology, but we were like, yeah, let's um, swap music on pen drives. Okay. <laughs> and so we caught it. Yeah, that, that, was, that was essentially the format. It was, I would give him 15 songs, he would give me 15 songs. Um, and then we would kind of just talk about them, you know, the next time we met, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And it was just so much fun. They were like, you know, we should rope other people into this. Um, And so my younger brother, Oku, was in the UK at the time. And 
Edwin, um, the musical artist and um, design wizard, um, was a was going to Ashesi at that time as well. And so we were kind of like, we think these two people are perfect. Let's let's see how it goes. And so the initial format was actually my brother Oku um, Skyping in and then the three of us kind of meeting in my living room or my father's living room um, and just kind of having a conversation. And we quickly realized, okay, we can't do 15 tracks because now it's four people. So let's do 10. Right. Um, it would be like a three hour session or more yeah. otherwise. And so we did 10 and it took us a while to figure out the kinks. And so we literally did something like nine episodes or so just that were never released to the public. Um, and those were some of my favorite episodes. We had like D, um, F the DJ, we had uh, Adam Doce, the filmmaker. We had a few other um, wonderful people and that was us kind of figuring out the format. And I think we were really excited about the idea that, okay, this is, you know, like podcasts are great. And it was still a very new idea. I think at that time you had a Krawi Day mm -hmm. um, here in the space and they, you know, have been pioneers, but you didn't have much other action going on. Yeah. And we're like, okay, you know, how do we make sure that what we have is like interesting and unique? Well, it's a music podcast, you know? And so that's something we don't see around. And it was also a bit of a weird format. And so we were like, okay, how do we help people understand this format, this idea of sharing the music beforehand, coming, talking about it, um, and playing clips. And so basically someone came up with the idea of let's have a in-person listening session for the launch. Mm. And so this was end of 2016 and we talked to Dedo and she allowed us to utilize T-Bar, um, which was still happening at the time. And so, yeah, we did the very first one in T-Bar, um, had a couple of people and it went so well, like we were getting bombarded, uh, especially Kobe, I think people were like, we hear you did some event and you didn't invite us. What is wrong <laughs> with you? That's a terrible sin. You need to pay for your, your crimes. Yeah. And so it kind of, I think internally, it was almost like a way to get people off our backs. Like we'll do another one. We'll do another one. Don't worry. Uh, it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it was never really supposed to be an event. Uh, but because of that pressure, we're like, okay, we'll do another one. And I think after T-Bar, we grew. And so we, we had it at Kwai, and then it more. We had it at Zen Gardens. Eventually, you know, Seraglio became kind of the, the final spot. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of the, at least the, the trajectory that most people know. Yeah, yeah, it's cool because I, I think I remember I started coming. Somebody invited me to come and I was like, okay, because I'm usually very picky with my music. So trying to listen to people pick their music and have it, people judge them, or not just judge them per, per se, but just judge their picks. It, it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not into that. But yeah. it was, I think it was, a, it's a great like event to come and listen to new music that you don't normally listen to. And yeah, I think definitely 
got some new uh, artists I listen to nowadays from those events. I'm I'm encouraged to hear that. That that that's dope. Why why do you think um why do you think it was something that took off? Why do you think it was something people were interested in? I mean, surprisingly, people have lots of musical tastes, in, like in Accra or even Ghana. Like, you'd be uh -huh. surprised how somebody would say, oh, they, they're a big fan of country music. And it's like, how do you, like, live in Ghana and have this big obsession <laughs> with country music? Like, how did that happen? So, yeah, I mean, people have, like, varying like um, genres of music they listen to that you don't think they would. So I think the fact that uh, your event has this also kind of spectrum of music that you play, I think that's attractive to most people because at your event, I, I noticed different crowds or different people come and yeah, they have very mm -hmm. like taste in music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say one, one other thing. Um, I know that a lot, because because I'm encouraged to hear that. And I feel like for people like you, that weirdness and the difference, you know, was a plus. I think for some people, they were a bit frustrated with us because we didn't play that much African music in general and Ghanaian mm. music specifically, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I think that's a valid critique for someone to lodge. I think in our minds, the idea was we wanted to kind of introduce this space to new and different stuff so that it can infuse into what people were doing here, mm -hmm. you know? And so you have a, you know, one day there's like North and Spacely in the house. One day there's Kodro Q in the house. One day there's, um, you know, DJ Keys um, or Keezus, I think as she goes by these yeah. days. Um, and, and so all of these people, are maybe perhaps getting introduced to stuff that, you know, they already liked, um, stuff that they didn't know about and it can enrich and, and I would think, um, just contribute to what's happening here. And, you know, I think a few people like Adumar or, you know, the people at, at VI music at the time, um, really became, you know, staples of the crowd and 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 took something from it yeah i yeah i, I mean yeah with the like you were saying with like the guests you, you bring in which is also dope because it, it lets the the audience interact with like somebody who does music and get their perspectives and stuff which is, which is cool because i think that especially for the young ones the the young millennials out there which is i, I would say makes up most of your crowd having the chance to interact with those up and coming artists is, is great because if those artists get bigger and bigger, um, the audience can keep following along. And I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also want to touch, touch about even the, the music artists for a second. Um, so I'm always looking at Ghana for, for instance, in this space is how, the music is evolving and new artists, up and coming artists are coming up nowadays. And I was talking to, I think I was talking to Poetra, I think a couple of weeks ago about the music industry. And I was asking how come it seems that the up and coming artists, even though they're good, they're talented, we can see they're talented. They never really get that validation until they're, like, they're featured on some sort of um, foreign press 
or on a foreign mm -hmm. stage before like the local media picks them up and say, oh, this person is doing this for God and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say that there definitely is an element to that. Um, and I, you know, I think the tough thing is when you think about the African continent, in terms of the global market, we are marginalized, right? We tend to operate, you know, in, in the margins, on the corners. Um, we are a very small slice of the, the international entertainment scene. Now, that being said, then, I think anytime you are part of a marginalized group, it's very easy to have a bit of a complex about that. And so, you know, your, your tendency is to want to seek out um, recognition, validation, acknowledgement that says, no, I, I exist, you know, I'm valuable, what I'm contributing is of significance. And I, I think that's understandable. I think we can swing the pendulum a bit much and, you know, like we only feel like we our people are winning, you know, we only feel like we've got one when, you know, somebody is, you know, catches a feature in Fader or is, you know, has a paragraph in a, <clears throat> an article on complex, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. But I think at the same time, you also do have people who have been doing the work. And, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for those people. I mean, one of my biggest examples forever will be Swaked, you know, and yeah. as, as far as the work that um, Cool Art Blog has been doing for years, it, it has just, it has been uninterested, you know, in what is happening on the international state. And it's just like, okay, there are people here, they're doing worthwhile stuff, and we're going to cover it. You know, we're not always going to get props. And I, <laughs> I think if you pay attention to Sway's timeline, every so often you see him, you know, gripe about the fact that, yeah, some of these guys, like, you will write 1,200 words on, you know, a, an upcoming artist, and they will ignore you because you are cool up blog. But then somebody will write two lines about them, you know, in whatever, in complex or vulture or noisy, and then, like, they're retweeting it to the world. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I do think that um, having platforms like um, Cool Up Blog, like Kamatan Rain, um, you know, for a while um, before actually we started House Number Three, um, Kobe and myself and um, Sita Nicholas were part of a group that was working on um, a platform called Inkenteng, and you know we were doing bits and pieces of that as well, not just for music, but the, the overarching um, art scene and culture scene here. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it can be tough to escape that, um, that complex, uh, pun intended, that marginalized people have. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very true. I mean, especially with the Cool Art blog um, comment, it's true that even local media, when we, even when somebody's actually dedicated to write about local artists here, they still don't get props themselves, which is just, oh. just um, disappointing in a way. But even, it, it yeah, but even with the um, local music industry, for instance, or 
I, I don't know what to call it because just like the question is, do we have an industry like a music industry or entertainment industry, or do we have this fractured group of people who are doing work here? Because it doesn't mm -hmm. seem, we don't seem to have that sort of industry, like the US for instance, they have, you know, the A&R, they have, you know, the music labels and they have the distribution and all that stuff. Like we don't seem to have that same thing in Ghana and it doesn't seem like we're coming together to even try to mm. build that. And somebody was saying that, well, it's every man for himself basically. Yeah, I, I definitely do think that is true. And I know a lot of people lament that quite a bit. Um, I mean, I, I think you can kind of look at different models for that. And so I know in places like Europe, you might have um, arts and culture industries that are supported with government dollars or, or government funds specifically. And, and so there is a direct effort that is made to encourage and foster um, the creation of art, the production of art, the dissemination of art. You know, it, it's, it's something that's prioritized on TV and radio, et cetera, et cetera. I think in, in places like the US, it's a lot more commercial and capitalistic um, in that you have you know, institutions that have figured out ways to capitalize on it and make a buck off it. And so, you know, because we know you're gonna make us a million dollars on the back end. So we, you know, we have this machine that will push you. Um, but I also do think at the end of the day, um, in 2020, everything is moving slowly towards much more independent models. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, I think about someone like a, I think about a group like Odd Future, for example. And, you know, I, I remember caring about Odd Future when they were just beginning to make a bit of noise and they were refusing to like sign to record labels and they were just yeah. trying to get coverage on blogs and stuff like that. Um, and this is like a decade ago, you know, um, and you had Tyler just wanting to go his own way and Earl wanting to go his own way. And, you know, Frank Ocean ended up becoming this beacon of independence by swindling <laughs> uh, Def Jam, I believe, and, you know, giving them his endless album and then releasing um, blonde on his own, you know, and making his own money from it because he was out of his record contract. Um, you know, I think about someone like Chance the Rapper and him being able to put a, a free mixtape on iTunes. And that was the first time anything was available um, musically on iTunes for free like that. And, you know, again, refusing to sign to any labels and figuring out his own sponsorship deals and, and, and all of that. And, yeah, I, I do think these kids these days are super, super smart and they are very driven and they speak technology in a way that is so fluid. Um, it, it amazes me. You know, I, I think about something like off the top here and, yeah. you know, there, there wasn't a machine behind it. There wasn't really an industry behind it. But, you know, um, Joseph, who 
is a former student and colleague and friend. Um, he, he just had the vision. And I think over time, you know, somebody posted on Twitter, like, these are all of the sets that we have seen from off the top over the last few years. And you can kind of basically chart their growth over time. And so, yeah, I think I, I like to kind of look at the glass, well, whether it's half full or half empty, I guess, to, to ask ourselves, what are we going to do about it? Like, are we, mm. we going to drink the water at the end of the day? And yeah. so, you know, how, how do we make a path, even though things are like this? Because, you know, I think about a Kwesi Arthur who has, you know, become huge um, with, with only literally the non-machinery of ground up behind him. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, I think the out of, I think necessity is the mother of invention. And so mm -hmm. out of the, the mess that exists here, I think there's still a lot of potential. And I think if people are able to, to work together and collaborate and build great teams around them, um, I think there's still a lot of hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree because I'm like all the ones you mentioned, like um, off the top and everything. I'm always noticing them, and I'm like, if if you put like off the top, like maybe in Europe or in America, and just said and had a fan base around it, I think the growth will be exponential in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, here it's getting fans slowly, which is great, and, and I'd love to see it get better or go on a national stage. But the question is how fickle is a fanfare like are they going to come because it's trending and never come back because everybody doesn't talk about it anymore or is it going to be like is it does it have staying power will fans mm -hmm. will people keep like um referring to other people will they eventually become bigger like that's my hope that it does become bigger because there's their youtube shows would which do like two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, one million views, yeah. which mm -hmm. have similar content like off the top so I'm, I'm always mm. wondering how long to before these guys blew up to that level, and what yeah. do they what do they need to even get to that like more that stage? Yeah, um, and you know I think unfortunately again in 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 the margins um, it takes toiling longer and working harder, you know, and so whereas somebody else, you know, because they are in Europe or in America, you know, can build a, a fan base like that, you know, in the blink of an eye and get, you know, 10K and then 100K and then a million. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a much slower grind for us. Um, I mean, this is a bit of a left field example, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I run a virtual bakery with my wife, Katie, and you know, the amount of work um, Crumb and Crunch has had to put in to build an audience of like 9,000 on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and then I look at some UK bakeries, you know, and like they have half the number of posts and they have, you know, images that are half as interesting and like they are 20,000, 40,000. And so this, this is real. It, it very much is a lopsided game, um, but you kind of have to play with the cards you're dealt. Yeah. Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Why do you think like maybe that bakery in UK has more, I guess, 
more people following more business than us because I mean, what the, I always say Accra is very small, even Ghana is very small. So how come we don't necessarily get that same, I guess, loyal following? Well, I, I think in part it is because of that exact reason that it's so small. And so when you think about the numbers, like I think if you were trying to do the math, how many people in in the city of London are online and have a smartphone right. and have, you know, access to, um, you know, e-commerce. And so they have, you know, bank card, ATM card, credit card, et cetera. I mean, it's, it would be massive. Like those numbers would be gigantic. In Ghana, you know, you ask the same question of Accra. So many of us here um, are not in that particular um, circle in the Venn diagram. Right. And so it's like a super privileged thing to be on Instagram and Twitter and to have data all the time, you know, to be able to post and, and check stuff out and then to have even a mobile money account to be able mm. to pay for stuff. And so, yeah, I, I, one parallel example I've always heard mentioned is, is literature. When you think about literature and you think about Ghana versus Nigeria, right? Right. right. And I think that Ghana has mind-blowing writers. Like some of the people in this space are incredible with a pen. Um, and, and, you know, writing in a diverse sense, not all writing is about like the novel, the great African, you know, fiction, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, some of it is just pithy, interesting writing that maybe could go into scripts and, um, you know, screenplays and things like that. Like mm -hmm. you think about an Afajato, um, you know, um, I think his, his real name is, is Tony Free um, Cantamaclo, right? Yeah. And a talent like that could explode um, even in a place like Nigeria, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I with, with the kind of numbers and audience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but here it's going to be limited to, you know, 5,000, 10,000 of us middle class to upper middle class Ghanaians who are on Twitter and who live in Accra probably. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think the numbers don't really work in our favor. And that's why in order for us to truly blow up, we generally have to cross the border. You know, we have to mm -hmm. become a, a Kwesi Arthur. We have to become a Kitty. We have to become a Shatawale. Um, you know, because there's only so much success to be had locally. Yeah, true. Yeah. Do you think that the, the advent of, or the, the viral nature of social media definitely helps, especially with the like crossover? Because I don't know, I, I don't know about Quiziato's growth per se, but I think that he started locally and then I think he would, did go viral online. Oh, I'm not sure if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think social media absolutely plays a huge part. Um, you know, I, I don't think Quissy was um, necessarily like playing underground shows and, you know, like developing a, a, a listenership in, in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands here in Accra. I think it's, so much of it was social media. I think, you know, a much smaller 
um, example would be La Mem Gang, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, which was a huge phenomenon um, in the last couple of years, but huge among a certain, you know, demographic um, who was online. And so they were, you know, following these people, they were, you know, interacting with them, um, you know, on Twitter and elsewhere, and they were listening to the music uh, mostly online. And so I, I do think social media has very much enabled so much of this success today. Yeah, which is good. I mean, yeah, I'm always happy to see somebody blow up and actually make it, especially through social media. Like, I think Chris Arthur, like when I listen to Chris Arthur, he's like, I can see, oh, this is talent. So I'm, and I'm happy to see him like, you know, do the BET thing. And I'm hoping for more of those opportunities that come his way. Um, do, do you think that maybe even with his success and he, him blowing up that maybe now going forward, we might get more attention as far as maybe international um, record labels or other type of entities looking at Ghana for talent and trying to help them, you know, cross more borders? I, I do. I do. Um, and I, I would actually say we're already seeing it. Um, and so, for example, right now, there is a Def Jam Africa. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say the fact that Def Jam is looking at the African continent and saying, okay, we need to cultivate talent here. Um, the fact that um, Apple Music, you know, is sending people to come in and scout and, and, and grow and build um, relationships here. Um, I, I would say all of that. All of that suggests that this is definitely something that is happening. Um, I think it's in the very early stages. Uh, but, but for example, you know, one of the people who've linked up with Kwesi Arthur is a, a music marketing um, group called Platoon. Okay. And, you know, they, they focus on things like merchandising opportunities and um, other ways in which you can monetize um, your cachet. And Platoon is, is, I think it's based in the UK, um, but was bought out by Apple Music. Okay. Um, and so the fact that, you know, Kwesi Arthur is putting out flyers with the Platoon logo on them says, you know, at this point, people outside of here are realizing they have to work with some of the talent here because it is it's essential you know like we mm -hmm. are a part of the conversation now yeah yeah um and and that's great I, um hopefully we like you said we do get more of this especially with this whole def jam west Af africa thing i think that's a mm -hmm. good opportunity do you think that also even like currently the local artists here one thing I'm always thinking about is how come, let me say how come, but like as far as having business sense of, okay, I know mo we know most of them get paid via shows as, far in, as in live mm -hmm. shows, but we don't see them diversify as in going more into merchandising, like selling, you know, t-shirts or clothing or trying to do more, uh, let's see, songwriting credit for movies, for instance, like, you know, mm -hmm. branching across into different sectors, just not with the music, but branching across, like we don't see 
that more often. Like, what, what do you think the reason is? Is it because they don't have the connections or the contacts? Or what was the reason for that? That's a very good question. I would say it's probably a combination of factors. Um, I, I do think that part of it can be um, not having the relationships necessarily. Um, but I also do think that a few people are changing that. And I remember, I remember years ago, for example, saying to um, the, the head of, of VI Music at the time, uh, Evans, and I said, I said, Evans, you know, one of the ways in which um, people may not be paying attention to now, but for the future, one of the ways in which some of our artists are going to get tremendous opportunities is by having their stuff placed on soundtracks and scores. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the example I was using at the time was of a young Nigerian artist. I can't even remember his name right now. And I'm, I hate myself for forgetting, but he, at that time, this was so long ago that the HBO series Girls was still on at the time. Yeah. And in one of the episodes, I think literally either in the beginning or the end of the episode, his song played. And when that, that episode aired and the day it aired, his Twitter was blowing up. And he was talking about the fact that, look, out of nowhere, he was getting notifications that he was like the most shazammed artist in new york for that like hour or day or week nice um and it was just incredible and you could see how excited he was and how thrilled he was and obviously you know it was going to lead to bigger and bigger looks now i think literally within the last week two weeks uh, we've seen Rhea boss tweet that um and it's funny to see the pattern another hbo show yeah. Um, this time, I may destroy you. Um, has has featured her on the soundtrack, and you know that is is one of the coolest and most compelling, and I would say you know most critically acclaimed show of the moment right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen um, it. It's pretty good. There you go, and you've got a young Ghanaian um, artist who is on that soundtrack and who's going to be getting shazammed and you know, going to be getting big looks as a result of that over time. And, you know, when I said that to Evans, I was trying to get him to, to position some of their artists, you know, in, in that same way and, and try to see how um, they, could, they could maneuver in that direction. And I really do feel like going forward, um, you're going to see more people like Rhea um, or, or people experiencing the kind of looks that Rhea has been experiencing. I think Maya was fortunate enough to do some songwriting for a Netflix movie mm -hmm. um, this year, right? Or last year. Yeah, I think it was last year, um, yeah. Okay. And so I think over time, it's going to happen. I just think it's going to be gradual. And I, and I do, I feel really strongly that people need to have teams around them mm. that have vision. And I think that's one of the difficult things. Um, yeah. I think creativity is, doesn't always lend itself to um, harmony, 
in a way? Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you're referring to, yeah. Okay, okay. And so, yeah, I think sometimes creative people can disagree. Sometimes creative people can be loners. Um, sometimes creative people um, can have visions that clash. But I think if, if people were able to build um, teams around them um, that could work to, to put their visions out there and to, to vouch for them and, and advocate on their behalf, I think you would see a lot more of this stuff happening because, you know, a Frank Ocean doesn't become a Frank Ocean just like that. Mm -hmm. It happens because he has an incredible team that is strategizing with him and for him and around him. Yeah, even Beyonce is a good example of a good team. Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah that's true yeah i mean like, like you said creatives do tend to be loners but yeah they definitely need the teams around them to help them to push them because i think the creators want to focus on being creative but if you have somebody who can look into the business side of things and see how to brand them and market them better for their audience that could be a good step in actually increasing their reach but I, I don't see that as often here, which is kind of disappointing because I think we have really, really good creatives, but they don't have good teams around them positioned to help them um, have that far reach. Definitely. And, you know, I do think one, one element of that story is I think elsewhere, if you are part of the team, there's usually enough like art mixed with commerce can make you enough money to have a comfortable living. And so, you know, the size of the pie is larger. And so when you're splitting the pie, everyone is, is still eating. Mm -hmm. I think over here, um, even the artists themselves who are supposed to be the stars of the show are, are often starving, right? Mm, yeah. um, almost all of them have side hustles, you know, very few people are full-time artists here in this space. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, 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 you know, you're a manager of an artist and you're getting 10% and the guy getting 90% can barely afford his rent, then, you know, how much more you who's just getting 10%? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. So yeah, the, the pie is not big enough to even split. So they got to go other directions to even, I guess, break even. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so you've got all these other all these people who are basically trying to do other things outside of the art um, that aren't focused on the art because yeah, you got to pay your bills, you know, you, you, like rent advance is coming up and, mm -hmm. you know, like you need to get places with Trotro and Uber, like mm -hmm. the daily expenses are staring you in the face and the music isn't necessarily selling. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we do have a long, well, we have some ways to go. We don't know how long that road is, but yeah, there's still opportunities. I just wish it was a bit easier for the creatives coming up. Like if they had some sort of platform where it could just kind of feed off each other to actually have reached, that'd be great. Yeah, and and I I think that the over time we're going to see more of that. Um, you know, again to to reach back to off the top as an example, I feel like um, a platform like that has uh, Joseph utilizing um, the the 
the celebrity or rather the micro celebrity, um, you know, of smaller, um, you know, but public figures and kind of mixing it up with other people who may just be known on Twitter or Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. but kind of using that platform um, to build his platform while also putting them in front of a whole new audience. And so like, you know, members of La Meme could come through and suddenly um, they are getting new fans and he's and ends up getting La Meme fans watching off the top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like, um, what do they call that, synergy? Like, yeah, that, 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 yeah. that would be great. That, okay, you like this guy's stuff or you see this other stuff that he does and then it kind of builds onto that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, we know that you're busy, but are you, are you going to continue doing the podcast, like the music podcast, or is just the schedule a bit hectic now? That's a really good question. Um, I knew <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this, and I knew I wasn't going to have a good answer. Um, I I would say we'll see. Um, anytime I bring up decaf online, um, people start firing shots at me um, <laughs> because they're mad. <laughs> they're mad that we took their decaf away from them. Um, yeah, I I think that a lot happened in our personal lives in 2018 and 19. Um, And so we were kind of forced to slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. um, on that. I, I think, I think also one of the realities, and I don't think I've spoken about this publicly at all, um, is none of us are young people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) None of us are young people um, at this point. Yeah, as of as of you know, and I won't I won't spill anyone's specific names. Yeah, but yeah. As of twenty twenty, um, all of us are in our thirties, right? Um, in terms of the core group of, of of four people who made up decaf, and so I think if it were to go forward, you know, the the older you get, the the less up on the new stuff you are, the less um, you are able to chase the trends and even predict the trends. You know, I remember like we would play some stuff at decaf, you know, and that's some of the stuff that we're proudest of where a, a couple of weeks after we play it, then it becomes huge, you know, um, and like we did that with Ray Schremert's songs. Um, we did that with other stuff. And yeah, I think over time, you know, you, you get older, you get more responsibilities and you're, you're focused on, you know, cookies instead of cadence, for example, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in my case. And so I think we'll see, I think we'll see. Um, but I, I have to admit, I still get the itch. I still get the itch um, because I love music, but I, I guess more importantly, I just love sharing. Um, mm-hmm. with other people. I think that was one of the pure motivations behind it that maybe not everyone understood and got, um, that we were just so excited to share cool stuff with other people and to see them excited too. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, if, if, if people bug us enough, we, we may figure out a way to make that happen. 
Okay, so I guess we just stay tuned. But do you think, because it's funny, because I think that even with this space of like talking about music, I think other people like these young, most of these young people can actually start their own kind of series. For instance, I, I listen to like, like Joe Budden's podcast, for instance, and they, they just kick it and talk about music, like the new releases and what's happening in the world of music. And that, that's interesting. So I think there's a lot of space to like do the same thing that you guys do. Like they shouldn't really depend on you all the time to come back yeah. with Decaf Live with a podcast. But, you know, there's spaces I should create to your own content. And I think that it would be good to listen to people who are fans of music, music lovers, to just like, you know, just kick it with a friend and just talk about music. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that it's the, the toughest thing may be um, the consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that what is interesting is that it does take some um, discipline to kind of carry that out. Um, and so, I mean, I've, you know, I've even seen you and Ejir and, and others, you guys have started a pop culture podcast now, you know, and um, it's in its infancy at the moment, um, but it's, you know, it's exciting to see stuff like that popping off in the space. And so, yeah, I think that the, the, the challenge is just to be able to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Because especially now that people are kind of confined to where they are. So um, people are just trying to come up with new stuff to do. And I think being creative with media, it's one of those spaces because like everybody's got a podcast now and it's very easy to even sit down and even do a recording and just put it out for people to listen to. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's always opportunities. I mean, there's always space. So if anybody's listening, you can just start your own podcast about music. I mean, I guess you can just share with your friends and just get fans for it. Go for it. Why not? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, this has been a good conversation, but I just want to just wrap up real quick. Um, so right now you're still focusing on the cookie business you guys are doing and also the school semester. Um, is there anything else on your radar that you want to talk about as far as are you listening to any new up and coming artists that people don't know about or any new things on your horizon? Uh, so I would say in, in terms of things on my horizon and things that I'm, I'm, interested in and paying attention to. Um, For one, um, I think I I would love people to pay attention to the Super Jazz Club right now. Mm, I've seen seen a lot of tweets about that. That's on my list of things to do. Okay, okay. So yeah, I would say um, they are definitely one of the coolest things happening um, in the space at the moment. they, they just dropped um, what feels like a super single um, um, called Bordeaux with a bunch of incredible artists on it. Um, but yeah, as, as a group themselves, they are a foursome. Um, I think it's, it's Biko, um, Ansa Live, Seo, and then Obed. And yeah, I feel like they are they're one of those teams that really has 
a strong idea of who they are in terms of their identity. I feel like they're not so worried about what else is happening in the space. They're not worried about trying to um, appeal to anyone other than the people who would really mess with them. Um, and so I think that's really solid and I think that's really dope. Um, I think that outside of music, um, I think that people should be paying attention to stuff like what Poetro is doing with Tampa Press. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really do think that there's a lot of potential for the literary scene here in Ghana and Accra. Um, I think that one of the things I've always felt is that we need, we need to be looking at our own examples um, of that. And so, again, I don't know how much this came across and how clear this was to a lot of people, but in 2017, when I put out ellipses, um, one of my strongest convictions was that we in Ghana, we in, in, in this country and on this continent have our own poets. Um, we have our own poets and we should be paying attention to those poets. Um, one of my greatest influences is Ama Ata Edu. And I feel like it's great to be checking out all the Def Jam poetry and you know, all of the, the other stuff that is, is online and on, on YouTube, but uh, we have incredible people who've gone before us, people who are giants. Um, and, and I feel like if we look around us and we look, you know, at the people who've gone ahead of us, I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. And so I think putting out a literary mag like um, Poetra has done is, is a tremendous feat. And I, I, I hope people are paying attention. Um, in terms of stuff that I am personally involved with, um, I know there's been a lot of hints dropped, um, but this isn't even about me per se. Um, Edwin has a project coming. Um, and I think for me, that has been a lot of what I have dedicated my last year to, um, is being involved with that and um, strategizing for that and, and participating in that. Um, I think that he is one of the most unique and interesting and compelling and special um, creatives we have seen in this generation. Um, and I cannot wait for people to hear what he has coming. Um, and so I, I would say, look out for that, especially. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely, I hope people will pay attention and keep a lookout for the Edwin's project. Yeah, I'll definitely put it, uh, mm -hmm. his handle in the, the podcast notes for people to check him out. But yeah, um, yeah, but this has basically been a good conversation about the uh, industry. I think it's been really, it's good to hear your thoughts on what's happening, especially because I'm always saying that um, Ghana creatives, we have so much talent, but yet sometimes not a lot of visibility. And but yeah, mm. but there, there's always there's always space and there's always opportunity for us to grow. I'm just hoping that um, because of COVID, we kind of regroup and then hopefully next year if things get better, we come back up. Absolutely, and yeah, I would say you know to 
to anyone who's trying to figure stuff out and 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 doesn't really have it all sorted just yet um like collaborate with people reach out to people ask for advice ask for suggestions like bounce ideas off people um you will be amazed at what um what will come back you'll be amazed at how people will help and will support and um, will lend you know resources and, and ideas um if if you're willing to to kind of reach out and so um that's that's my biggest encouragement to people like don't sit down on your ideas and let them evaporate like try and get stuff started and and do it by collaborating with others yeah uh totally second that yeah we definitely need more i'm always i'm always saying i don't know why we don't see more collaborations but yeah we definitely need to see more cross um collaboration people like what is music movies or wherever like yeah, yeah, more collaboration in the future. That's what I'm hoping happens in the future. Definitely, and and kudos to people like you, you know, who are doing your bit to provide visibility and and to start things yourself. Um, I have a lot of respect for that. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I think I'm gonna let you go. This has been a really good conversation. I appreciate you for coming on and just doing the podcast with me. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can keep talking in, in other venues and um, keep the conversation going. Definitely. I think there's a lot more to discuss, especially with the industry. Uh, I'm trying to see what I can do for my part to give a little bit of visibility to some, I guess, some projects I'm trying to finish up. But yeah, um, mm -hmm. we'll definitely see. And yeah, we'll keep talking. All right. Awesome, man. All right, man. Um, so take it easy. Stay safe and uh, good luck with the semester and also with the cookie business. I'll definitely put a link to the cookie business on the podcast notes as well for people to know. That would be awesome. I appreciate it. Okay, Ali. Thanks a lot. Uh, have a good one. All right. You too, Joe. Later. Right. Later.